Let's pray. Amen. Loving Father, we bless you this morning once yes. again. Thank you, Lord, for welcoming us in our in your house. Yes, amen. We are blessed and we are privileged, Lord. Yes. We pray that as a good shepherd, you give us this morning, Lord, what we need. Yes, please, Lord. To carry on, Lord, in this journey. We rely on you, Lord. We depend on you, and we pray that your good spirit will inspire every word and teach us and open the eyes of our understanding. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Uh, this morning, I wake up uh, early in the morning, and I was very, I was very ill. And I say, I prayed. I say, Lord. Help me. And uh, as I came here, the first brother who met me at the door said, we've been praying for you. I said, uh, so much needed. Praise God. It's always very encouraging when you know that people are praying for you, but also for you to pray for others. <laughs> praying for one another. Very, very important. It's an act of faith. If we believe that God intervened in people's life, then we carry other people's burdens. Indifference is not good. You see, Christianity is about having time for others. Having time for others. That's why we come here to prayer meeting. And we pray for so many things. Having time for others. It's tough, it's difficult for all of us. Weather is sometimes tricky for everybody. We're all tired. Seven, eight, nine, ten hours at work for some of us. We still need to make time for God and for others. You see, there are people who work very hard here, opening the gate, opening here, you know, ordering the chairs, making refreshment, etc. House group, people making their homes available for two, three hours. They need rest too, like anyone else. But people do all those things in order to multiply opportunity for you to fellowship, to know God, to serve him. So let us not take those things for granted. They cost things. They cost time and effort. But all those things are done for you. So let us not be indifferent with those things. <clears throat> From victory unto victory, part three. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the title. Please turn with me to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24, and we're going to read the first 21 verses. That's Joshua chapter 24, verse 1 to 21. <clears throat> Pardon me. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel at Shechem, and called for the elders of Israel, 
for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, dwell on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Verse 3. Then I, then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of, 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 of Canaan, and multiplied his descendant and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the Mount of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Also I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterward I brought you out. Verse 6. Then I brought your father out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariot and horsemen to the Red Sea. Verse 7. So they cried out to the Lord, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea upon them, and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. And I brought you into the land of the Amorite, who dwelt on the, on the other side of the Jordan. And they fought with you, but I gave them into your hands, that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Verse 9. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Baal, to curse you. Verse 10. But I would not listen to Balaam, therefore he continued to bless you. So I delivered you out of his hands. Verse 11. Then you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you, also the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Gagashite, the, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, but I delivered them into your hands. Verse 12. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you. Also the two kings of the Amorite, but not with your sword or with your bow. I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you did not build and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyard and olive groves which you did not plant. Verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the God which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt, serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the God which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the God of the Amorite in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
16. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who did, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwell in the lands. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. 19. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is holy God. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not for forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he had done you good. And the people say to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. Amen. Now, what transpires here, first of all, is that serving the Lord, it's a choice. And it's done out of responsibility. Quite often, the Bible refers to the service to the Lord as a reasonable service. Reasonable service. Reasonable. There is reason in it. We are called to understand what we are doing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Love requires demand action. For God so loved the world that he gave. I just introduced to you about giving time for others. We are called to love one another. We are called to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, and all our spirit, and our neighbor as ourselves. That kind of love costs, demands effort and time. I would say spiritual investment. <laughs> Things don't happen just like that. I think the first message uh, Pastor John gave, he quoted from Peter somewhere, I don't remember, but it's in the Bible. <laughs> To your faith, add virtue. There are things to add. It's you adding. Yes, the Holy Spirit does the work through us, but that work will prosper if it meets our availability, willingness, readiness, and obedience. That's what makes the difference between lives. We all have the Spirit of God. What makes the difference? Obedience. 
Tobias. Remember Paul writing to the young pastor said, what you've heard from me, person to people who are able as well to pass on to others. Notice the word able. So there is a cooperation. We are not puppet or robots. Now, the Holy Spirit is there, but we have to respond. Remember with Joshua, the Lord had promised to be with him, but he had to work very hard to plan, to organize, to encourage the people, to warn them. That's our responsibility. The service to the Lord must be led by the love for the Lord and be performed with fear and trembling in our hearts. Because it's to the service, service unto the King of kings and the Lord of lords, God Almighty. Remember what Paul said. I am paraphrasing. I'll read the verse shortly. He said, he ran looking to the goal, but he fights not as beating the air. Think about this one moment. Boxing championship. Two people in a boxing ring. And one turning his back on his opponent and punching in the air. And people cheering him for being so clever. I learned that when boxers are fighting, when the punch lands properly on the adversary, not only it demolishes the adversary, but it gives a positive impact on the origin, the source of it. There is that satisfaction that have hit the target. So he gives it, motivate the person as well as destroying the opponent. I've also learned that when they miss the target, it's more harmful for them because a lot of strength is going and throwing those punches. So Paul is saying that he does not fight like that. Well, dear brethren, quite often we do that. I'm fighting for the Lord. I'm doing this. I'm doing that's punching the air. And the enemy is quite happy with that kind of behavior. What am I saying here? You see, the Lord is waiting us on the real thing here. And to quiet and give ourselves some comfort, we do so many things which the Lord does not require from us just to quiet ourselves. But the real battle is going on somewhere else where God is waiting for us and we are absent. Do you know why we do so many small things here? To quiet our conscience is to give ourselves a window so that when we need God, we can remind God how performant we are. 
Choose today whom you want to serve. This teaching this morning could have been just crystallized, could have been just limited on two verses, 24 and 25. But for the sake of clarity, we have to give some context. Choose today whom you want to serve. Now, this was not a suggestion that these people here, the Israelites, did not serve God or that they were about to reject God. No. Joshua was a man of vision. Vision. He knew that there is always an inclination of our heart to be trapped in idolatry. He was preparing the people. Because the Amorites and the enemies, they were there already. And he knew that our heart is always inclined to do evil and to disobey God so easily. Remember Hebrews? The sin that ensnares you so easily should, not, should be forsaken and run the race that is set before. So easily, not ten sins, one. One or two in our lives. Those Gibeonites, God is after. That's what God wants to, want to deal with in our, in, our, in our lives. Not 10, not 15. If you don't get drunk, don't pray not to not get drunk because you don't get drunk. God is waiting for you somewhere else and only you know that. By the way, as we were praying there... Um, I felt in my heart to say something loudly, but I just kept it inside. The word was, God will take care of you. Maybe if I had said it at that time, it would have been direct to someone. If you are here this morning, really burdened, really, really burdened, the Lord will take care of you. I can continue with my mes the message. Now, what Joshua was saying here was a call to increase perseverance and responsibility in a context where the people's faith and obedience will always meet God's faithfulness. That's the reason why he's reminding... I think it was on the 10th or on the 3rd of November, Dave Boles taught us about remembrance. Very, very important to have a sense of remembrance as Christians. Remember the title? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Parents, are you here? Tell your children who God is. Tell your children what God has done. Warn your children. Tell them what will happen if they depart from God. Tell them what God has done in your life, in the country, in your work with him. Repeat that. Tell them all the time. And warn them what would happen if they disobey God. And let them see you in action. Joshua reminded them their own history 
how God took Abraham, how they went to Egypt, how he delivered them, everything he told them. And quite often in the Bible, that big story is repeated. Why? To remind them about the faithfulness of God. To remind them that God is unique, distinctive from other false idols. Very, very important. There is always a contrast presented to the Israelites between God, the true God, and the foreign God, the idol. Always. If we are not conscious of that, then we're beating the air. We need to know that we are at war. We are engaged in a battle. The Bible calls it in the New Testament, the good fight of faith. We have to know that. And the Moses Israelite passed the Red Sea on dry ground. And the Joshua, God did the same on the Jordan. Joshua built a memorial. That was the core message from Brother Dave the other day, from Joshua chapter 4. Joshua built a memorial so that people will remember what God did. Toward the end of the book of Joshua, I think in chapter 22 maybe, 22 maybe, there is something happening there. The tribe of Reuben and God and the half-tribe of Manasseh had already taken possession of their lands. Remember, in the other, on the other side of the Jordan? But the Lord told them that they should still go and fight for their brethren. Afterward, they would then come back and enjoy their inheritance. That has happened so faithfully, they will now go back on the other side of the Jordan. And when they go, the Reubenite, the Gadite, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, this is what they will do on the other side. They will build a replica, something like a memorial, a replica of the tabernacle, something like that. And the other tribe and the Joshua will be really worried about that because the news will circulate and they will say, oh, idolatry. They've built an altar, they begin to say, and they will send the people really to attack them, and they will reassure them. They say, no, no, it's not idolatry. We have done this, we have built this replica in order to teach our children about God. But that in the future, the other tribes will not treat us as a separate people. We want these people here to keep in memory that we worship the same God. Reassure. Dear brethren, when a brother comes to you to tell you something, to build you up, to warn you about something, reassure. Receive. Explain. Consider. Don't shut the door. Again, they did that as a memorial. You see, so throughout the whole book of Joshua, there is this sense of remembrance, memorial, very, very, very important in our Christian work because we are prone to incline to forget so easily. It happens to me all the time. 
God has delivered me. In impossible situation, a smaller situation occurs in front of me, I panic again. Panic again. David stood in front of Goliath and remembered what God did when he was keeping his father's sheep. Very, very, very important. Now, <clears throat> Joshua presented to them a real, faithful, and powerful God. Not a feeble God. Not a capricious God. No, a powerful, who is in charge, who is in control, who is faithful. That's the God he presented to them. And say, carry on, carry on. We are called to encourage one another. Not to discourage. Historic fact and remembrance are two very important factors in our Christian work. Now, Joshua was 110 year old, but he wanted the people of Israel to commit themselves to the Lord and to make choice, to persevere and to be aware of the risk to fall into idolatry. It was called traps and snares. There is always that risk. And Paul is calling us to be careful if we think we are standing. Always, there's always that risk to fall into idolatry. Now, if it seems evil to serve the Lord, why would Joshua say that? If some people were not becoming weary and discouraged, if some people were beginning to feel that there were other alternatives, the work was so difficult, they were not getting anything out of it. They could make best use of their lives otherwise. If it seems evil for you to serve the Lord. Well, some people don't understand why other people are serving the Lord. Maybe it's because they fail in their life. They don't have better opportunities. They don't have better things to do. They have more time than us, etc. Why are they so zealous? What motivates them? It's just pretending. If it seems evil to serve the Lord. Now, there is a reward. There is a reward. That's a motivating factor. There is a reward. But also, we need to be grateful to respond to God's loves. Do you know, dear brethren, that God exhorts people through your life? You are very important in the Lord's hand. Through you, God is fulfilling his mission to save people. You are a letter, living letter, written by God to this world, by your life. Amen. Some people find it very hard and unreasonable to serve the Lord God unless it is to give him the very strict minimum of their lives. Very minimum. Now, 
we are called to love God fully. Fully love God. I'm quoting for you here from Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We are called to present our lives as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, as what? A reasonable service. Understanding is involved in all this. It's not a random thing. Now, we have to understand. And we are called to understand. Paul prayed that we will have the eyes of our understanding open on the calling. That we will be able to discern the exceeding greatness, power of God unto us who believe. There is a journey. God wants to teach us things. We have to be available for that. The Christian life is reasonable. The Christian faith, sorry, is reasonable. No wonder the Lord God himself invited Israel to come and reason together with him. Reason together. Who delivered you from Egypt? How did that happen? Who fought for you? Who drove out from before you the enemies? He's reasoning with them. What would have happened to you between the sea and Pharaoh's chariots? What would have happened if God hadn't intervened? He's reasoning with them. The Christian faith is not opposed to intelligence or knowledge, but we are called to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We need a renewed, transformed intelligence, inspired and led, used by God. Christianity is not opposed. We are not a bunch of ignorant and failed people now. We just renewed in our understanding of God's purpose for this world. You know, do you know what the viewpoint means? A viewpoint, simply put, is just a place from which you're looking at something. Yeah? That's a viewpoint. So we're looking at the word, this word, from God's perspective, from his word's perspective. That everything that is going on, a lot of Lies and fakehood and falsehood, giving people false hope. And we, looking through the eyes of the Bible, we can see that we're going toward a chaotic dynamics. We can see that happening. But other people are seeing so many opportunities. It's so nice. But we can see the love is going like this. Like this. People are building ever more sophisticated weapons. Mass destruct mass destruction. That's not love. The Bible says, because of increase in lawlessness and iniquity, the love of many will grow cold. It's a different reality we see from the biblical perspective. In Timothy chapter 2, verses verse 4. Paul, like Joshua, reminded Timothy how he had not only fought the good fight, but he had finished the race, but more importantly, he had kept the faith. Because we are commanded to fight the good fight of faith while laying 
called of eternal life. Because that's the whole point. We're fighting because of this. Why are we fighting? Because through you and me, the Lord is building his church and he's touching other people. So you are instrumental. At the same time, a tool and a material in God's hands. So you are cooperating with God in building his temple, but at the same time, you are yourself a living stone. Praise God. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and read a passage I paraphrased before. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we read from Verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Wow. I discipline my body. Yes, the Holy Spirit is at work, but discipline is needed. Because you see, the desires of the flesh are contrary to the desire of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit in us wants us to pray, to intercede, to read the Bible, to grow with God, but the flesh has other desires. You call for a party and say the party is starting at 10 p.m. You have a good turnout. 10 p.m. And people won't want to leave. Food is great. You know, music, color, disco, etc. But the body, like that. But just the idea of praying. Now, <laughs> flesh, no. It is your responsibility to discipline your body. I am tired. Let's go. I am tired. See who wins. Stand up. Let's go. I was told the story of a brother who was a, a big thief before. He became a Christian, but from time to time, because he was very, very skilled in stealing. And from time to time, those Gibeonites were visiting him. <laughs> and because he could steal so easily, what he did, when that idea came, he put his hand in his pocket and said, go yourself. And he stood up like this. He said, if you can, you're able to go yourself, go and steal, you're here. Discipline your body. Two women in a different culture were married to the same husband, living in the same house. They used to argue all the time. 
One of them eventually became a Christian. But from time to time, the Gibeonite went. And whenever that idea came, what she did, she went to fill her mouth with water. When her rival was insulting her, she put water. My tongue, go yourself. Discipline your body. Don't feel like reading the Bible. Sit down here. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Following and serving the Lord is a personal choice. You don't do it in order to please your spouse. Just to make your spouse happy. You don't do it just to please your parents. You don't do it just to make the pastor happy. Someone say, I'm going to the church because the pastor feels lonely. (laughs) (laughs) Joshua made a very firm statement about his family. Clear, firm statement. Notice he starts by me. He himself first. And then the family. As for me, And my household. His position is very clear before God. And as a result of that, the people he can directly influence there, he will teach them, influence them, point them to God. Our children, our family have a unique opportunity to be in contact with the Bible. With parents who pray and teach them. It's unique, I'm telling you. It's terrible out there. Our children are blessed to have parents who cry out to God. They can hear. They can learn directly, even without coming to the church. Seven days, parents praying, teaching them, advising them, teaching them the fear of God. Parents being angry with them when they go the wrong way or there is a prospect of going the wrong way. What a blessing. Young people make the most of it. It's tough out there. Make the most of it. Because one day, parent may no longer be there. Moses, when he became of age, had to take a decision for himself. And did what? Chose. It's about choices. Chose to be with the people of God. He knew that there would be tribulations. He knew that. But he considered that to be worthy more than the riches of Egypt. He made a decision, no longer after his mom, but for himself. Young people, we talk about young people whenever we talk about Joshua. Joshua was a man of vision. He prepared the Israelites for the future. By the time you get to the book of Judges, Something is happening there. The Bible says all the elders who outlived Joshua during all that time, the people who had been in contact with Joshua during their lifetime, people served God. 
until they all departed. Then arose a new generation that did not know Joshua, did not know what God had done. Now, dear brethren, here is my point. The people leading us today in this country, they've all been to Sunday school. They've all been in assemblies at school where the Bible was read. All of them. What do you think will happen in 50 years when the new generation who are learning to disobey and blaspheme God will come to lead this world? What is our responsibility today? What can we do? Invest as much as we can in our young people. Our young people, they are perplexed. The amount of information they're getting outside troubles them. They need to understand the relevance of the Bible. And the Bible is relevant. They did not need not to take the Bible as an accessory thing for Sunday. No. And those who will come on those terms to God will be blessed. And there is hope for future generations. As for me, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. You first and then your household. Don't put yourself outside. Joshua resolved to serve the Lord regardless of others' attitude towards God. You see, he made his statement before they had replied. He had taught them by example. Remember what they say? We also, as a result of what they saw in Joshua, they too would make that commitment. May the Lord help us to lead that kind of life that is influential for God to other people in the church. Let us challenge one another with our love for God. I get so challenged all the time. I meet women and men who love God and I feel like, you know, <laughs> something needs to be done because these people love God too much. You know. And you see some people when they talk about God, when they pray, when they leave God, you feel that that's the real thing. I want that. Choose your friends. Imitate. Learn from others. Don't go round and round quickly satisfied of yourself. Look. Get challenged. It can hurt, but it's healthy. It helps. Well, there was a brother in Burundi Whenever he knelt down to pray, when he said amen, six hours had passed. And people try so hard. Even a quarter of that, people try. When he said, okay, I'll be with you shortly, I just need to pray a little bit. Six hours passed. People tried hard. But at least they tried because of him. <laughs> Challenges. Joshua's witness and commitment to the Lord was both inspirational and influential to the people and they resolved to serve the Lord. We need to live that kind of life with vision for future generations. We are a letter, etc. I've said that already. Joshua and Caleb lived with a vision for the future. Why am I, where is evidence? Well, when they started going astray away from God in Joshua, Judges chapter 3, 
They cried out to God for deliverance. The Lord God raised Othniel. Othniel. Caleb's young brother. That's the vision I'm talking about. Who knows how God is going to use our descendants. Continue to put, continue to invest, do it diligently. It's time consuming, it's difficult, but do it if you love your family. Do it. Talk to them about God. Let them see you okay, crying before God. If it was necessary, it's okay. Teach them faith. Who knows where they're going to end their life with Christ? You know John Wesley's stories? A lot of mothers have produced giants because of their godliness. People served the Lord all the day of Joshua and all the day of the elders. After that, unfortunately, Israel did evil in the sight of God. I am going to conclude. You are very serious this morning. We love God because he loved us first. That's right. You know, sometimes husband and wife sit down and uh, there's nothing to talk about. Is that true? Nobody's saying amen. <laughs> because uh, I don't want people to know that. Well, it happens. <laughs> There's nothing to talk about. They're sitting down. You see, people who have been living together 30 years, 10 years, 15 years, yeah, there might be time where there's nothing to talk about. They're sitting down. It's happened to a Christian couple, and then the man was so not happy with that situation, he decided to break the ice. And he said himself, I'm going to revive romanticism. They're sitting in front of a TV. There's nothing interesting. And the man said, darling, do you remember when we first started? Engaged, married. And he went to list all the restaurants, you know, the park, the visit and everything. And he finished everything. And the lady was indifferent looking somewhere else like this. And the man was so angry because he was playing his last card of romanticism after 45 years together. <laughs> and the lady looked at him and she smiled. And the lady said, are you sure you did that? And he said, I did. Gave evidence. Do you want pictures? I can show you a picture what I did. The lady looked at him and she said, I can demonstrate to you beyond any shadow of doubt that in every single initiati initiative you're mentioning, you were falling into my trap. I was the one setting. <laughs> and the husband said, that's not possible. And the lady said, okay, let's start with the first one. This is what I did. This is what I told you, and I said this. And she went on to list everything, and the husband was quiet. And the lady turned and said, you see, you love me because I loved you first. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> In conclusion, 
We need to continue fighting the good fight and running the race with a goal and discipline. On our way to heaven, we need to abstain from fleshly lusts that wage war against our soul. We have to keep our focus on the goal and the rewards. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before God. To him be the glory. May God keep us. Continue to strengthen us. Strengthen our families. To teach our children. Even the visitors who are visiting our home, they have to play by the rule in the house. Do not allow strangers to come and impose their ungodliness in your home. They have to play by the rule. That was the commandment to teach the little one and the strangers as well who were amongst the Israelites. Let's pray and thanks for your patience. Let's pray. Father, Lord God, we want to bless you and give you all the glory. Lord, we commit each person in this home, in this church. We commit every household. We thank you, Lord, that you live in every family here, Lord. And we commit our lives all the more unto your caring hands. Blessed Redeemer, faithful shepherd, we leave our family, husbands and wives, our children unto your holy hands. We trust in your unfailing love, O oh Lord, faithful and so unchanging God. Raise us up, Lord. Help our children, Lord. We commit them unto your holy hands. And we know that, Lord, you will keep them safe. We know that, Lord, you will deliver them. We know that, Lord, those who have departed, Lord, will be brought back by your power. Those who are about to fall, you will protect them, Lord, we pray. Because of your faithfulness, Lord, we pray for every young people in this place. As they go to and fro, may you remind them your goodness, your faithfulness. May you speak to their heart directly and spare them, Lord, from the snare of the fowler. Lord, we thank you for these young people. We also pray, Lord, for parents. May you grant us, Lord, patience, long-suffering, wisdom, Lord, in handling difficult situations, Lord, in handling, Lord, spiritual matter with our children, Lord. Lord, we pray because of your name, Lord. Do something about the situation. We commit this church unto your holy hand and our young people. To you we give glory. Help us, Lord. To continue this journey, looking unto Jesus, who is both the author and the finisher of our faith. We give you all the glory and praise. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you.